just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and I got a, I got a little confession for you. Having been now in what I call vocational ministry for the last 20 years, uh, full-time, meaning that that's my full-time job, I didn't always do that, by the way. I've worked for secular companies. Uh, I've worked on my own for a while, contract work. So I've, 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 I've done a little bit of it. There's a pet peeve of mine. And, and I, get, I get what people are saying, but people come up to me and say, you know, I just wish I could be in full-time ministry. And I'm going, yeah, but you know what? You are. You just may not realize it. And that's what I want to stress to you today. And I understand some people are talking about working full-time in a, in a nonprofit church, parachurch kind of. I, I get that. But the reality is, wherever you're at, if you're a Christian, you are in full-time ministry. You just can't always see it. We're going to talk about that today. In fact, there is a book out, and it is called The Word Before Work. Now, what does that mean? We're going to find out. The author, Jordan Rayner, joins me again. Jordan's a multi, multiple guest here on Life Today Live, and I just enjoy having him back. He's always very something very uh, applicable, and that's I like the practical kind of ministry stuff. So, Jordan, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Randy? It's always good to be back. This is one of my favorite shows. I love, I love being with you and your audience, man. And and you've got a good microphone that helps in these right? interviews. So doesn't I, it? Thank you. For yeah, that. makes a big deal. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I notice these things. All right. So, first question: what what is what is the word before work? My first thing I thought was hard work. I mean, what, what, what is this? Yeah. A, is this a, a game? Uh, or am I misunderstanding the title? I suspect. <laughs> no, this is good. Listen, the word before work, I've been I've been publishing a weekly devotional under this brand for years. And by God's grace alone, it's helped millions of people understand how their work is full-time ministry, as you were just saying, Randy. I like you. This is a huge pet peeve of mine, right? I want people to understand that wherever they are, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, wherever you are when Jesus called you, that's where you are to stay. Yeah. That is your ministry. And so this book, The Word Before Work, isn't a weekly devotional. It's a daily Monday through Friday devotional to help readers see how exactly their work is ministry, how it matters to God, and what to do about it in response to that, right? Because if we believe our work matters deeply to God, that should shape our faithfulness as we do our work every Monday through Friday or whenever we go to our vocational jobs. So this is, I think this is tough for a lot of people. Okay, this was tough for me. Honestly, yeah, me too. when I worked at a, it was a fortune 500 company, good company. Yep. Uh, and we were doing things that help, you know, make the world go round. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, a very profitable company, but I, man, I had been in working in full-time ministry here at life outreach mm-hmm. prior, prior to that. And for me, it was hard because I honestly, I didn't see it the way I probably should have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, there seemed to be something missing because when you're working for a profit, a bottom line, yeah. that's different than working in the ministry. How do, how do we, yeah. how do we reposition that? Yeah. I think we got to understand that before there was the great commission, there was the first commission, 
which was the call to partner with God in making more of this world. Let me explain, right? Christians, for the last 300 years, we've taught that we basically have one vocation, go and make disciples. And while that is a command of every believer, clear, crystal clear, it's non-optional command, we are also called to the very first command we see God give humankind in Genesis 1.28, to fill the earth and subdue it and rule it for God's greater glory. Right. And when you dig into this text and really understand what it means, basically, this just means make the world more useful for other human beings to flourish. And what do most businesses, that's exactly what most businesses do. That's exactly what whoever made this microphone does for me and for you to be able to communicate in this way. Right. But we have lost sight of this first commission. And here's the irony this first commission is the only commission that never, ever, ever, ever ends. Hmm. Because contrary to the American caricature of, a, of heaven as a glorified retirement home in the clouds, <laughs> scripture is crystal clear. Isaiah 65 says that we will long enjoy the work of our hands on a new earth. You see the first commission in Genesis 1. You see it in Revelation 22 where Jesus says we are going to reign forever and ever with him on this new earth. God created us for work. It was the first gift he gave to humankind. And so to work to make this world more useful and more fruitful for other people, whether you're doing that within the context of a ministry, quote unquote, mm -hmm. or a business, that work, if done with God and in accordance with his commands, is God's work in the world. Well, yeah, I, I, you're probably like me in that, um, you know, I've got a mechanic that always does a good job on my vehicles. And I value, I value his work, you know, at whatever area, if, if there's someone that, you know, does repairs around your home or what, you know, whatever it can be, someone who does their work with excellence, then they bring a value. They're loving their neighbor as their self. Hmm. Interesting. Right. You know, I, I, I we, we, in the church today, I think have fallen for this lie that the only tasks of eternal significance are quote unquote spiritual tasks, basically evangelism, mm -hmm. right? And this is rooted in a misinterpretation of the understanding of eternity, where eternity is on earth and it is earthly and it is material. It's not just disembodied souls. And if that's true, then the work that we do with the material world, like fixing your car, matters. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, full stop. Not love your neighbor as yourself so that you earn a chance to preach the gospel to that person. So <laughs> I, hope, I hope that we all get an opportunity to do that. Love your neighbor as yourself is complete in and of itself. And so when you do that, when you fix that car, when you build that microphone, when you build that business, not for your own fame and fortune, not for your glory, but for God's glory and service of your neighbor, that brings the Lord great pleasure. Psalms, uh, Psalm 37, 23, Randy, says that the Lord delights in every detail of the lives of the godly. Not just going to church and reading your Bible, mm -hmm. not just serving the poor, but when you fix that car and make that microphone and change that diaper in accordance with God's commands, that brings him delight and his pleasure is eternal. Mm. Hmm. All right, let's be honest for a second. Yep. Have you ever known a Christian who uh, was not just bad at their job, but seemed to not put any effort into their job and to not care about uh, 
their job and uh, outside of ministry. In other words, you know, wherever, if they were working at a coffee shop or, you know, at some place where they're doing customer service work. Have you ever known a Christian who was not wholeheartedly into their job? I think that's many Christians. <laughs> didn't, didn't it? Didn't it really? Did, well, as a Christian, did it make you a little angry, or could you see a, how a Christian, non-Christians, oh would God. be like, "Why would I want to be like that guy?" Randy, can I be honest? Can I be real a second? <laughs> if I pull up to a coffee shop and all the T's and the logos are crosses, <laughs> I'm going to back up and head to Starbucks. <laughs> right. Right? Not, I, not always. Not always. Though. Not always. <laughs> but 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 in my personal experience, more times than not. And what a shame. We are called to be image bearers of the creator God. Look outside your window. How does God create? God creates with excellence and love. How dare we not strive yeah. for excellence in all things and all things to God's glory? Right? I Dorothy Sayers, the famous British novelist, uh, once talked about how there's no possible way that any ill-fitting drawers came out of the carpenter shop in Nazareth. I think she's spot on. Jesus, I'm sure, created the most excellent tables of the first century. How dare we not strive for the same as to best reflect him and his character to the world? So so if I pull up and there's a fish logo on the business, uh, I... I, now, may, I don't know where are you. Where are you at? Where do you live? In Tampa. You're in Tampa. Okay, so yeah. we're both in the South, somewhat. No, I'm in Texas, yeah. but I I expect that the people are going to uh, do their job with excellence, and that they're going to be the nicest people on the face of the yeah. earth. And if they do that, I'm cool with the fish and the crosses and all that. A hundred percent. But but man, nothing worse than. But okay, so in fairness. Um, yeah. There are Christians right now, there are people who are probably watching right now, who are in what they feel like is not the job God yeah. intended them oh, for. Oh, yeah, for sure. How do you deal with that tension? Because that's a tough one. Oh, I think it's real, right? I mean, and this is part of the consequence of living in a post-Genesis 3 world. Mm. You know, we forget work existed prior to the fall. Work existed pre-sin. But sin has made work cursed it is not the curse but it is cursed and part of that curse is that there is now a mismatch between the work we feel god has created us to do and the work we get paid to mm. do and that's a really really hard spot to be and so if that's you if you're listening right now and you don't love your work a couple of thoughts one day you will right because ultimately when heaven comes to the new earth as I already mentioned, both Isaiah and Revelation make crystal clear that we're going to be doing work for all of eternity, but it's not work as we know it today. Here's Isaiah 65, beginning in verse 17. Isaiah says this, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. My chosen people will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. So if you hate your job today, do three things. Number one, mourn over it. Jesus understands. I bet there were days where Jesus didn't love his job. Number two, look forward to that day that Isaiah promises us when you're going to long enjoy the work of your hands. And number three, work heartily as unto the Lord. See Colossians 3, 23 through 24, knowing that there's a reward in store for you. And oh, by the way, that command that Paul wrote was initially written to slaves. And I think that's a rhetorical 
amplifier here. If Paul's telling slaves to work heartily as under the Lord, surely you and I can't if we hate our jobs as mechanics or, you know, whatever it is, uh, yeah. grocery store clerks. I don't know what it is, right? Yeah. We can do that work heartily for God's glory. I also believe in a New Testament context. Uh, by the way, this is the book that's called The Word Before Work by Jordan Rayner. Let me get that in. Uh, I, I do believe that if we do not work as unto the Lord in our menial job, in that stepping stone job, in that job maybe we had to take because for whatever circumstance, but we, we don't feel like it, that's our ultimate position. I, I, don't, I feel like if we're not faithful in those little things, we may not ever get that promotion. I think God's watching us in that position to see if he can trust us with where he ultimately wants us to be. Do you, does that I mean, resonate this is with the you? Implied, this is the implied interpretation of the parable of the 10 minus, right? To whom much has been given, much will be required and more responsibility will be given. Yeah. Um, now, listen, we got to take into account that God makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? Yeah, His common true. grace. But I do, here's what I do now. It, it seems clear to me in reading Jesus' words in the Gospels that he is looking for people who are faithful with what is already in their hands, yeah. right? Yeah. With the work he's already given them to do. And what is crystal clear is that in eternity, we have different levels of job responsibility based on how we steward this life. So at a minimum, how I work today, even in the job I hate, maybe especially in the job that I hate. Yeah, I think so impacts the vocation that I will be doing for billions and billions of years. All right. I'm going to get into the book, but I got one quick question for you. Yeah. If you're in a job and uh, you believe that I, I, my, I've, I've had loved ones in this position, yeah. uh, the, the owner was doing things that were unethical, uh, probably illegal. And I think that actually yeah. came out. Yeah. Uh, in other words, you're, you're in a job and you know, you know, it's not right. The situation is not right. Yeah. Do you just get out? I mean, is that the best advice? Yeah, just leave. Great. It's an excellent, excellent question. Number one, I think scripture is clear that if you're in a position where you have no choice but to sin, you got to go. Yeah. But I think those instances are actually few and far between. <laughs> and I, I, I think in the absence of that scenario, I don't know. I think a lot of times God is calling his people to stay in those particularly dark places. I'm thinking of Obadiah, right? Serving in this very evil palace as the chief of staff to the king and the queen so that he could protect God's people, mm, right? Yeah. I'm thinking of Daniel who's called to serve in a dark place. By the way, I'm thinking about Jesus. Hebrews talks about Jesus suffering outside the city gates, outside of the temple. And obviously, I think primarily what it's talking about there is the fact that he was crucified outside the city gates. Yep. But let's not forget that while God could have chosen for Jesus to grow up in a more quote-unquote holy profession, maybe he could have grown up in the household of a Pharisee, right, or a priest, he chose for Jesus to grow up in the home of a small business owner and carpenter named Joseph, where I'm sure he had more temptation to sin than he would have had he been a Pharisee or a priest, right? Mm. What is the lesson for us? I think God calls his people into dark places because that's precisely where we need the light of Jesus to shine in this world. 
Yeah, you know, and that takes discernment. That takes uh, a willingness to pray through things and to persevere and to really seek God. And that that's uh, if, if you're in that position, I, I feel for you. Uh, and yeah. you know what? I think uh, some godly counsel would very much be in order in, in those difficult situations. Amen. As well. Yeah. Amen. Well said. Okay, so there's a phrase you use uh, in the book where you talk about how our work can shape heaven. <laughs> Yeah. You, what what exactly does that mean? Oh man, let's get into it. <laughs> so First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. This is after Paul's long exposition on the hope of bodily physical resurrection when heaven comes to earth. Paul says something extraordinary, right? He doesn't say, in light of heaven, what you do today doesn't matter. Just sit around and wait for Jesus's return. <laughs> He says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Somehow it matters for eternity. I would argue somehow it shapes heaven. How? Let me give you, let me give you just a couple of ways. Okay. Number one, our work can shape who will be in heaven, right? Yeah. It's been crystal clear from the first centuries until today that typically it's not pastors or quote unquote full-time missionaries that are most effective for making disciples. It's the work of mere Christians going to work as mechanics and radio show producers. Mm -hmm. This was true in the first few centuries as Michael Green has made crystal clear in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church. And I think it's gonna be even more true in the next few centuries. So that's number one, we shape, our work has the potential to shape who is in heaven. Number two, as we've already said, our work can shape God's eternal pleasure. This is Psalm 37, 23. He delights in every detail of our lives. And I'm willing to bet that the, that pleasure, he's going to remember those things and bring them to mind with us on the new earth. I think Jesus is going to pull up a chair to us as we're doing our vocation on the new earth and say, hey, Randy, you remember when you were running that show and you had every opportunity to run it for your glory instead of mine and you didn't? I remember that and I took great delight in that. That's mind boggling to think about, right? So number one, I think our work can shape who's gonna be in heaven. Number two, I think God can use it to shape his eternal pleasure. But number three, maybe the most wildly that we don't talk a lot about, our work can shape the physical culture and artifacts found on the new earth. Isaiah 60 and Revelation 21 make this crystal clear. Let's take Revelation 21. John describes the new Jerusalem, the work of God's hands, right? This incredible magnum opus of culture, the city that stands 7 million feet tall. And then he goes on to say that in John's vision of the new earth, of heaven on earth, it's not just God's work that's present. It's some of the work of human hands. In Revelation 21, 26, he says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the new Jerusalem. What's he talking about? Well, Isaiah has the same vision 600 years earlier. Every theologian I've ever read agrees these guys are working for the same prophetic material. And in Isaiah 60, Isaiah says he sees ships built by the nation of Tarshish being brought into the new Jerusalem. He sees agricultural products. He sees refined gold and incense being brought into the new Jerusalem as acts of worship to Jesus. This is remarkable. He's saying that some of the work of human hands have seen continuity between this age and the age to come and are being laid at the feet of Jesus as acts of worship. That's mind boggling <laughs> to think that maybe this microphone, this laptop, whatever, 
if done in accordance with God's commands and what we see Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians 3, can physically survive judgment? That's mind-boggling. If if I could convert you to preterism, you'd be even more excited because you would see the ramifications of that in the here and now. Um, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> uh, well, okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but, but, but suffice to say, the principle carries over, uh, and it's just even more even more exciting for me because I'm not waiting on it. Um, I have to ask you this, though. Yeah. Uh, because we're talking about work, we're talking about vocation, yeah. we're talking about what about people like my wife, yeah. who stays at home and has raised the kids for the last twenty something years. Yeah. Um, what what what's what what do you do with people who don't go somewhere to work? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, when Paul's talking in First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, this term he's using labor in the Lord is very broad. You know, we, we define work as the thing we get paid to do. Mm -hmm. But all throughout scripture, that doesn't appear to be how God is defining work. In fact, in Exodus, when God is handing down the 10 commandments of the fourth commandment, when he's describing work in the Sabbath, he says that even animals work, right? So clearly animals are getting paid for their labor, right? So I, I, I think a more biblical way to define work is by what it's not, right? Work is the opposite of leisure and rest. And so we can know that the work of building a business and the work of changing diapers without pay can both be equally honoring to the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> I got to get off of work when my wife was raising all the children. She had it 24 <laughs> seven, oh, no weekends. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, this is a vacation. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Right. Being totally. downstairs all day. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's the, it's, yeah, it's labor. That's for sure. Okay. Um, one other thing that I want to hit because I think it's important for people is we, we can, especially if we're pursuing, you know, sometimes some things that are not really seeking first his kingdom. We can get uh, burned out. We can get overworked. And I've seen this yeah. actually in ministry as well, you know, vocational ministry, yeah. pastors even. Um, how do we balance hard work, uh, yeah. smart work yeah. with Sabbath rest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this paradox that I, I think is unique for Christians to wrestle with, right? So the world... The worldly wisdom is hustle, 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 mm -hmm. make it happen, right? And listen, there's some biblical support to this, right? Colossians 3.23, work heartily as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. All throughout Paul's letters, he's talking about how hard he's working. But scripture's also crystal clear that you and I do nothing to produce results in our work. Every good thing we've been given is from God alone, right? So we have to wrestle with this tension between hustling and trusting that God alone is going to be responsible for providing results. And I think the way that we know that we're holding that tension well is whether or not we can rest, right? Because hmm. if I can't take a couple of hours away from my email a day or maybe even a day off a week to Sabbath, right? Or maybe I can't lay in bed at night uh, and, and get, get a solid night's sleep – it may be because I'm trusting in my hustle 
rather than God mm. to provide those results. Because if we're trusting in him, we'll work hard because he tells us to. We'll also rest because he tells us to. Yeah. And trust that he can accomplish more in six days than the world can in 600 days, much less seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's true. All right, man. Good principles. And we, I know there's, there's so much more in the book, the word before work. Uh, and so I'm guessing if I figured this out by the end of the interview, that the word before work is God's word before Amen. I get to work. That's right. That's right. Well, that's that's exactly right. But hey, listen, <laughs> Jesus spent time with the father in the morning and late at night. Doesn't matter when we're in his word, right? So we're, you know, th this book was designed for you to read one entry in two minutes a day. Uh, They're super short. So you can read it in the morning before you head off to work. You can read it when you're coming back home from work or at lunch to renew your mind in the middle of the day. The point is the, these devotionals are to point you to the eternal significance of your work and to tell you what to do in response to that, how to work more faithfully mm. in line with eternal things rather than temporal ones. Good. Love it. You can check out jordanrainer.com. Looks just like that, jordanrainer.com, spelled like you see it on the screen. If you're listening, that's J-O-R-D-A-N-R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. Uh, and pick up the devotional. And is it, what's the release date on this thing? November 15th, Damn. it'll be out into the world. But yeah, you can pre-order it today. Okay, yeah. So if you're catching this before November 15th, pre-order, and there's lots of good little bonuses. Yeah. Uh, after November 15th, pick it up wherever you get books. Jordan, I appreciate, always appreciate the insight. Very thoughtful and, uh, like I said, practical, and I do appreciate that. Great being with you, Randy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Hit like, hit share, hit follow, subscribe, and uh, that's it. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live. All we do is win big. You're about to ask big. I'm believing God for favor in my life. Above all that I can ask.